Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of Dogcast Radio. This episode is all about crufts, and we have an interview coming up with none other than Leslie Nicholl, who plays Mrs Patmore in Downton Abbey, and she was at Crufts helping promote the work of medical detection dogs. And the sad thing is there seems to be uh, waiting lists, you know, and that, that's awful, because people actually obviously know about this, and, and they have to wait, and that's wrong. Yeah. So, yes. more money needed. Yes, yes, Very quickly. We talked to Carolyn Monteith about her latest project, The Puppy Plan. I think what we sometimes forget is that the function for the majority of dogs in this country is going to be as a pet dog. And there's lots more, but let's dive straight in with an incredible story from Dr Claire Guest, who is the lady in charge of training medical detection dogs. I've been training cancer detection dogs since 2002, uh, and Daisy was one of my young dogs. In two, she's uh, started her work in 2004. Um, she's a bladder cancer detection dog, as a, as a first trained and um, she then um, is now a, a dog that detects uh, cancers from the yeah. urine. So she'll yeah. do renal cancer, uh, prostate cancer, um, and bladder cancer. And um, she, you know, I, I have to say, there have been times with the cancer detection work where you sort of get a little bit demoralised because you know you've got something that, you know, is going to really work and really help the medics. Yeah. But, you know, you get this scepticism, well, you know, I don't really know why dogs can help, and, you know, yeah. it's all very interesting, but... And so, you know, sometimes I felt I was sort of pushing water uphill and yeah. um, focusing, you know, there's plenty of other things to focus on. So the medical assistance dogs, as many people know, the blood sugar dogs, yeah. fantastic and going very, very well. But one day Daisy um, started to give the impression of being slightly um, anxious about something and I wondered what it was, you know, and I thought, well, um, perhaps she's becoming a bit wary of something, I didn't really know. Um, and then I took her out for a walk one day um, opened the back of my car to let her out by a park and she jumped up at me in a sort of anxious way and um, I just felt what felt like a bruise so I could describe it as it felt like you know when you've had a bruise and somebody presses it yeah that sort of feeling just that sort of feeling yeah oh that's funny that feels bruised I wonder how I did that yeah I couldn't feel any lumps or anything um and um, the bruise feeling didn't go away. And then in a couple of days, I felt to myself, oh, that's really funny. That feels like, a, you know, I must have really walked into something. Yeah. So um, it didn't go away. So eventually I went and got checked out and um, was, was diagnosed myself with breast cancer. Mm. So. <laughs> so that, I mean, that must have, I mean, it's, I can't, it, it's not ironic. I can't think of the word, but I mean, so fortuitous that you had I know, that early I know. warning. It's, it's strange because, you know, part of me... Uh, thinks well, you know, uh, it happened. So in order that I would yeah. push, you know, believe in this work even more and push this work yeah. more, because you know, having gone through the system myself now, and um, you know, I've had all the scans, all the numerous biopsies. The um, I've been had uh, surgery twice. Yeah. Um, I had um, you know, ten weeks radiotherapy. Um, and you know medication and then after all this process you realise you know that when you go and see the surgeon or consultant they basically work out your chance of being alive in five years from how early your cancer was found wow you know treatment processes yes of course they vary in their detail mm-hmm. but you know the treatment process for everybody is pretty much the same surgery radiotherapy chemo whatever mm-hmm. um but your chance of survival is all to do with how quickly it was found. Wow. Found so thank goodness yours, yours was found quickly. Exactly. And the, the, the thing that was particularly um, unusual about me is that um, it has been reported occasionally that I had a particularly aggressive cancer, and that isn't true. No. But um, my situation was that uh, the, my cancer was very deep. It was a very, mm. very deep cancer. So... Um, when in fact I went for my first tests, uh, they said, "Oh no, no, I think you're absolutely fine because I don't think there's anything wrong with you at all. We can't find anything wrong." Mm. But actually, what was that? My cancer was sort of right, right uh, between above my heart, basically. Mm. So what the surgeon said was, if you hadn't been warned about it by the time you felt it, yeah. it would be very large. Which leads to the question: How on earth do these dogs detect when it when it's and this is something we're starting to have to ask you know how are the dogs doing it because these aren't cancers that have become systemic you know this wasn't big enough to be you know 
Aaron Cattersell's all around my body, otherwise I wouldn't no, be here. No. Somehow there's some odour signature which occurs very quickly when you get a tumour. Yeah. Now, whether it occurs because it does something to the body, which perhaps the body's reacting to it, mm. and it's, that's the smell of the dog, for example, that we don't know. But all we can say is whatever it is happens very quickly. Yes. So, you know, within within weeks of the tumour growing. I mean, you don't know because you don't know how long you've had the tumour, but no. certainly it seems to be dogs are very good at early detection. Wow. I mean, it's a great charity to support, to support. The work you're doing is amazing. Where can people people find out more about you on the internet? I suppose the best thing is to go on our website, if you can, if you're able to, because um, we have now lots of information on the website about the work we're doing, how people can get involved and help us. I mean, one thing I suppose that's become very evident um, and uh, is that there's a huge need for this, yeah. both in our cancer detection work and in our medical assistance dog work. Now, our waiting list is up to four years now, mm. and the reason our waiting list has got uh, that long is because we haven't had the funds to get more trainers. Well, I'm hopeful that this year we're going to be able to move forward a bit and, 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 and cut our waiting list down. Yeah. But there are so many ways people can help. Yeah. And I think people, you know, it's, you can get a bit jaded, can't you, and think, well, you know, I can't really help, I can't really make a difference. But, you know, with a small new charity like this, everybody can make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, even if you can... You know, you just go on a, a sponsored walk or you do join our Sniff 5000, you know, five pounds mm-hmm. a pork per dog, whether perhaps you feel you can go and give a talk to somebody else, whether you hear somebody saying that their, their husband and wife's company is looking for somebody to sponsor, all these things that make yeah. a huge difference to us. Definitely. Because the money all goes into training these dogs when it really yeah. does. And it just, you know, it's so exciting to be at this point, but in, in the same way, sort of frustrating that, you know, we could do more if we just yeah. had money. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Claire, I'm so glad that you had Daisy with you <laughs> and you're okay. Thank Have you me. had a good Crofts? Fantastic Crofts. And um, it's been so much genuine interest. Yeah. And, you know, this work touches everybody's hearts for two reasons. One, because I suppose, you know, most people here, their direct, the direct route to their heart would be via the dog. You know, yeah. they feel yeah. passionate about the dog. But, you know, also so many people have lost people with cancer yeah. and diabetes. And... Uh, mm two things just bring this passion in people that, uh, yeah. and you know whenever we come here you're tired you've been stood up here you know for four days now and you still feel passionate about it when people come along and they tell you their story claire guest from medical detection dogs there and you'll be hearing more about them from leslie nickel from downton abbey later in the show now how would you cope if your dog had mobility problems with its front legs There were two ladies, Liz Hennell and Stella Spence, who faced just this situation and were meeting up at Crufts for the first time. These dogs are both very special because they've come in here and they've both got front leg carts. Is that the right term? That's right, yes. Okay, so, and they're the only two in the UK we are aware as far as we're aware they are the only two in the UK Hope is the first we know that she's had her card for three years Hmm. and as far as I knew up until last week she was still the only one okay so this is a a new friendship absolutely Stella popped up on Facebook yes saying I'm going to crafts is anybody else coming and I very cheekily responded by saying yes but only if I can bring my front wheeler so here we are so so tell us Hope's story first then. How, how did she, why, why does she need her cart? Hope was injured when she was a very tiny puppy. We think her mum stepped on her while she was still in the nest. Yeah. So as far as Hope's concerned, she's always been disabled. Yeah, and how old is she now? She's nearly ten. Wow. Um, so she's, she's only known... She's not known for good legs, no. ever. no. Um, she got her cart three years ago hmm. when we noticed that her good front leg was starting to show signs of wear. Yeah. And we knew that this would always be a big deal for Hope and it could effectively yeah. finish her life for her. So did you have her as a puppy? We had her from being oh. ten weeks old. I got her directly from her breeder. Yeah, yeah. And she's been fab. She's been a proper terrier. <laughs> she's done everything that terriers yeah. do and still does. Dogs cut no slack to any disabilities they've got. They just carry on with life. No one tells them they should Absolutely. feel and sorry for themselves. I think they're an inspiration. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. That if, if more people live their lives that way... Yeah. They'd be a lot happier people, I think. So how did you know that there even was a front leg cart that you could... I didn't. Get? Right. <laughs> um, I started to look for information on the internet. I knew there were rear limb carts, but yeah. I didn't know what could be done for somebody with a front limb disability. Yeah. 
And through researching it, I came upon a firm called Eddie's Wheels, who are in America near Boston. Yeah. And they are the only people who make these sorts of carts to any high spec that you would regard as being reasonable. Contacted them. They said, yeah, no problem, like Americans do. Yeah. <laughs> Had to do lots and lots of measurements. And they told me it would take about a month to get the cart over to us. Mm. In fact, it turned up in two weeks. Wow. And I was just so anxious that we'd got the measurements wrong, that the dog would hate it, and that we'd wasted all that money. But she's taken to it. Oh, excellent. She is. And, I mean, presumably, was she really pleased that she could get around really fast again? She was kind of gobsmacked, I think, that suddenly she could go really fast. Mm. She'd never been able to go that fast and keep up with our other dogs. Yeah. And suddenly she can go fast as they can, if not faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's had a few spills. She's got to, they have to really think about these carts. It's hard work learning yeah. to use this sort of cart. Yeah. Um, so she's fallen over... I don't know how many times. She doesn't now. No. It's a rarity for her to fall She's a over. good driver. She's a fairly good driver. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say she was safe. <laughs> She's more demolition yeah. derby than Formula One. Because you know? oh, I've only ever seen a rear leg uh, yeah. cart in action, but that dog just bombed around, made yeah. no notice of her own disability. And the other dogs, interestingly, when she came by, they'd just go, ooh. You know, yeah. there was a Jack Russell thing. Oh, right, she's gone. Because she'd just roll straight over them if Absolutely. necessary. Hope does that. She barges into anybody who's in the way. Yeah, she, She's doing really yeah. well. So, so what's um, Molly's story then? Molly's story is that she was uh, a Greek stray yeah. and she was found as a seven-month-old puppy with a leg rotten yeah. uh, rescued by a refuge over there in Thessaloniki yeah. and they had a leg amputated. It was... Past saving, of course. Yeah. Um, she then spent five years out in an enclosure in the refuge. Yeah, the her tail. tail is wagging sometimes. Yes. I have to move the yeah. microphone. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, Vasa, who runs the refuge, just really thought that that would be it and that would be her life. Um, I began fundraising for the refuge four years ago, yeah. and Molly's stories was always the one that I had up on the boards. And yeah. I began to feel really sorry for her, the fact that she'd never found a home. So about 15 months ago, I asked Vasa if I could have her yeah. and could she arrange a pet passport to come to Britain. Uh, she came over, Vasso said to me she's got, uh, it's not just the fact that she's had a left leg amputated, um, the shoulder of the right leg has mm. gone proud, uh, she's got some abnormalities which means she can't walk very far and, and she can't and she, it's more of a stumble along than mm. actually sort of like being able to go out a distance, you couldn't park your car in the high street and get yeah. expected to take a shopping with you on the lead because she just couldn't make it. Mm. Um, we went on holiday. Vasa was sort of saying she just likes to look at things. So we went on holiday with her uh, three weeks after we had her and we found that she was trying to follow my other dogs when I was oh. going on longer walks with them. And I said to my mum, we've really got to try and do some fundraising to get Molly some wheels. Yeah. So I did the same thing that Liz did, is to explore on the internet and find out. And, and I rang Eddie's wheels up expecting to um, be offered a quad cart for them with four wheels and Leslie there said well what about front wheels and I was like oh what about front wheels yeah. found out about them uh, we fundraised to raise the money for them and they came out in August for her uh, we've had some dubious times with her sitting in them not wanting to walk uh, but she's an intelligent dog when yeah. she wants to go in her wheels she's going to go in her wheels yeah. when she doesn't want to go in her wheels she's not yeah. and, and that's basically Molly's story she's, yeah. she's a novice compared to Hope. Uh, we've got like two stages, two different sizes of carts, so uh, yeah. we're like a good example. But me and Liz are trying to do something now to promote front yeah. wheels. We've got a Facebook page called UK Front Wheelers yeah. set up uh, where people can come along if they've got a dog who's disabled uh, on the front leg and they're looking for alternatives. And I needed help. Liz has been a great help to me uh, in her experiences with Hope. And then coming along and seeing Hope and how confident she's in her wheels makes me realise eventually Molly's going to get that yeah. way as well. So that would be good. So she's got a great future in front she of has, yeah. She and has. And how old yeah. is she now? She's six. Six, six yeah. So hopefully many more years of... Hopefully, yes. Really? And, and she's yeah. having a life now, so... Yeah. Her tail has not stopped know, wagging the whole time. I must apologise. No, it's lovely to see it. So if, if anyone's out there with a dog that might need... Um, 
you know, a front wheel card or a back wheel card or you know, however. That, would you say get in touch with you? Absolutely. I'm I'm happy to talk to anybody about any kind of disability because I've also worked with another border terrier who needed a rear limb card. They came and talked to us. Um, but the front limb dogs, they're special. Yeah. They have got to really think about how they're going to work with their dog because it needs to be a lot of training you need to work really hard with them they've got to think about speed and direction using their back legs which is not natural for a dog they've got to learn a completely different set of balance laws really hard work I think yeah. Hope in the beginning used to go to bed with a headache yeah. you could just see her zone out when it was just too much they have to focus and concentrate such a lot yeah. and you need to be able to mo- know what motivates your dog yeah whether it's food or toys or hers is an audience she loves an audience that's the <laughs> best thing for her but you've got I to can, I can empathise yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? So, so what would you say their quality of life is because that's going to be the question in some people's minds you know they've got this disability problem they're, they're in wheels not legs what, what's their quality of life do you fantastic. think fantastic hopes is fantastic her life would have been shortened it would have been over seven, uh, three years ago if we couldn't have done something with her for her sore leg it would have been that her yeah. quality of life would have been zero she needs to be out and about with her cart she can do that yeah. what would you say for molly for molly even the cart itself it's it she can't literally push herself up to full height as she should be if she'd got both front legs yeah. going in the cart i think the reason that the tail wags is she's actually up to being a normal dog yeah. in her mind she's a normal dog in her wheels and then all of a sudden she's got this mobility where she can cover ground and she doesn't have to think of it it's not an effort to her anymore so mm. it's opened up the world to molly it really yeah. has having them and i'd thoroughly recommend them to anybody with a dog that's got problems and yeah. can't get about and let them have the life back basically Liz and Stella there with their delightful and happy dogs, Hope and Molly. Crufts is the perfect place to launch new products, and Lint Bells were doing just that. To find out more, I spoke to John Howie. We're launching a product called uh, Yumpro Bioactive. Yeah. And in fact, we have two products, Yumpro Bioactive and Yumpro Bioactive Plus. Yeah. Uh, the main product, Yumpro Bioactive, is a probiotic, prebiotic supplement, especially yeah. for dogs with digestive health problems. Yeah. So yeah. anything from loose tummies, um, too much wind, yeah. Uh, yeah. anything where they've got a slight digestive issue, the probiotics and prebiotics in Yumpro help to balance the gut. Yeah. Like flora and just help to improve the general health. So yeah. for, it gives them firm stools, reduces flatulence yeah. or yeah. wind. Which obviously, smell. you know, we're, we're smiling as we're saying yeah. this, but you mean, you know, dogs have wind. But they do. I mean, sometimes our dogs, we've got three, and sometimes you do go, oh, which one is that? And sometimes it is very, very nasty. Yeah. So it is, it's not talked about a lot, but it is a, an area that needs addressing. Isn't it, is, it? it is a common problem, yeah. uh, and it's usually a sign that some of the, the bad bacteria in the gut are just being a little bit too active. They're the ones that produce the amount of gas, but also yeah. the smell. Yeah. So the prebiotics that we use within uh, Yumpro help to actually reduce the number of bacteria there that do that sort of thing. Yeah. That's why we're providing those benefits. We're topping up the good bacteria, uh, and we're reducing the bad bacteria. Yeah. And yeah. then you get those ongoing benefits yeah. after that. Yeah. And so what feedback are you getting? Is it, is it working fairly quickly? Or it's working very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and actually we're surprised how fast it's been working. A lot of people are reporting to see a difference within three days. Wow. Um, at, at most a week. But yes, generally somewhere between one and three days people are seeing a significant difference. And, and that's not only the smell but also if they're having to pick up yeah. Uh, yeah. for their dog. It's making it much easier. Yeah. Uh, so yes, they're seeing very quick responses, even in dogs that have had quite difficult problems yeah. for, for years, in fact. Mm. And they're saying they're now able to see a, a real yeah. difference. Because yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking we've got a Labrador and a Bichon who are fairly okay. Yeah. Um, but the Border Collie, being perhaps a bit more highly strung or whatever, does tend to be loose. Yes. And is it helping with that kind of? It is. Yeah. yeah. And often um, dogs that are stressed. Um, often have loose loose stools uh, you also see it if they're travelling somewhere yeah. that's quite common yeah. um, or even if they just pick something up mm. off the ground and they shouldn't uh, yes, yeah. uh, which dogs tend to do yes. Um, so yes it definitely helps with uh, loose stools uh, and that will help firm things up Yeah. if they're having a, a really bad attack 
that's where Young Pro Plus comes in. Yeah. And now that's a higher strength product. It's much higher strength of probiotics, prebiotics, yeah. and so on. It also has some extra ingredients, um, some clays and uh, amino acids that helps the gut just to recover, basically. Yeah. So you can use that for three to five days, really to get the dog back into good condition, and then use Young Pro Bioactive as yeah. a maintenance after that. And to find out more about how Yumpro helps dogs, I talked to Julie Grocott. I came to get some Yumiga and I mentioned that um, Ted was really out of coat. He'd had a big major molt uh, and I didn't know whether he'd make roughs or not. Hmm. And John mentioned this new product and asked me if I'd like to trial it. And uh, he, has, he does have some loose stools occasionally um, if he just has something, a yeah. treat or something a bit different to normal. Um, so, I, I mean, he'd really got no undercoat, no nothing at all. This yeah. was just completely... And I didn't bring him to the show in December. So um, I started this project. Within two weeks, I could virtually see his coat growing. His undercoat was coming back. So... I mean, he looks beautiful now. He's a rough collie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lassie dog. Um, to, you, yeah, you yeah, yeah. 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 Is that <laughs> in layman's terms? We're yeah. About, yeah. <laughs> to me, I'm looking yes. at lassie. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he does look beautiful now. So it really did help, didn't yes, it? Yes, it did. Yeah. I mean, you can see the undercoat that he's got. Yeah. John Harry believed that this new products that they yeah. got, although it was um, made particularly for dogs with sensitive tummies. He felt that because if a dog's got a sensitive tummy, they're not absorbing all the nutrients in their food. So he said, try this. And he said, because he believes that he's going to make a coat grow. He said, try this and see how you get on. And I emailed them within two two weeks. I could literally Mm -hmm. see his coat growing. And has it helped the other end with his... Yes, he has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely perfect. The other end. And in fact, I ran out of my car supply and I was emailing them. And I said, can I get some of this prior to Crufts? Ted did look in great condition and you can see a photo of him on the Dogcast Radio site. The High Flyers are one of the leading flyball teams in the UK and they were at the Lintbell stand after competing in the main arena. To find out why 2012 will be an exciting year for them, I talked to Jane Allen and Sharon Alcorn. We started off with what flyball is. Flyball is a very export, uh, exciting sport. It's basically a relay uh, consisting of four dogs. There are four jumps leading up to what we call the box, where the tennis ball is situated. Uh, the dogs run, they go up to the box, jump in all four jumps, they get their ball and they return over the same jumps. Then the next dog will go through um, yeah. relay style. Yeah, and it's kind of blink and you've missed that dog haven't you absolutely yeah. I mean we've got dogs in our team that run the whole course in under four seconds yeah. Yeah. so and when when you talk about a fast dog and a slow dog we're talking like fractions oh, hundreds of hundreds, seconds yeah, yeah. hundreds we? of seconds yeah. it's incredible know, you know yeah. to the untrained eye you can't really <laughs> see the difference no. but actually the main thing is consistency it doesn't matter if you've got the fastest dog in the world if it's inconsistent yeah the the consistent dog will always sort of win if you like because it's it will do what it's supposed to do yeah yeah and it's predominantly border collie is that fair to say no um, no, no okay. if you look at flyball widespread this is just really a snapshot of flyball at yeah. Crufts but if you look at it widespread throughout the UK there's many many other breeds that yeah. actually do yeah. do flyball because that's the great thing about flyball yeah. there is a division whatever ability of dog or handler whatever breed whatever size of your dog whatever age there is a division for you at a flyball tournament because yeah. Yeah. it's a team sport so you know it's a uh, it's very good for that. It includes everybody. Yeah. And, and all sizes of dog. Is that true as well? It isn't true. You won't see it so much here. Yeah. But within the, um, the Flyball Association, you can have small dogs running. And what they do is the jump height is actually measured against the smallest dog in yeah. the team. Yeah. So if your dog's interested in, in a tennis ball... You can have a go at flyball. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to have a good social life, yeah. yes, have a go at flyball. And the nice thing is, it also, all ages of handler, you know, we have very, you know, young ones to quite old, so yeah. all, all shapes as well, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you said yeah. that. That's what even I could do. No, absolutely. Well, it on me. That's great. No, it's an exciting year this year for you and for flyball, isn't it? Because you've got the European Championships. Coming up. Yes. So tell us about that. When's that? Uh, that is the last weekend of July. Um, it's the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
we have 22 European teams coming over, which is a phenomenal amount because um, we have got the biggest flyball association other than in America. Um, so the other European countries where flyball is still growing, um, their associations are much smaller than ours. So to have 22 European teams coming over from Austria, um, Czech Republic, Poland, Belgium, Germany. You know, we've, we've been very, very fortunate. Yeah. Um, we're very honoured to be hosting it. Yeah. Um, and it hopefully it will showcase European flyball at its very best. We've got the sort of all the top European flyball teams yeah. coming over, including the European champions, which is they're the Jolly Jumpers. Yeah. Um, and they've got the European flyball record, which is I think I think it's 16 seconds 12. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, four that's, there for, yeah. that's all four dogs. Right. That's phenomenally that's, great. Yeah. Flyball is incredibly fast, but 16 seconds for all four dogs is amazing. If you get the chance to see some of this sport, do go and have a look. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. There were lighter-hearted competitions going on, one of which was the Crufts Factor. I spotted one of the four finalists, Paul Keevil, and grabbed a word with him ahead of the competition. You've made it through to Crufts Factor. Crufts Factor, yeah, yeah really how exciting. How did you do that? I, I'm mystified. I'm totally mystified, <laughs> frankly. But it was a. It did say it's for special dogs with a unique talent. Yeah. And there's no doubt that my Dandy Dumont is a special dog, and he does have a unique talent. Can you reveal what that talent is? Well, it involves a rubber chicken and a squashed plastic bottle. <laughs> Fascinating. I'm, I'm going to have to be there to watch that. <laughs> and it's a, a YouTube sensation. I bet. Yeah, he's a very clever dog. He's. Um, uh, let me explain. There's a big difference between obedience and intelligence. You know, uh, obedience is a dog that's trained to do something. Sometimes over months, years. Very clever. Intelligence is like problem solving, lateral thinking. And that's what I think Jackson is. He's not obedient, but he's highly intelligent. Yeah. When he was a puppy, he used to love to play with his rubber chicken. And one day he, was, he had it in his mouth, he was shaking it, and he hit one of his other toys across the room. Mm. And it was like a eureka moment. I watched him and he, like that, and bing! Yeah. Then he walked back over and bashed it back again. And he was three months old, and since then, every day, he has to play with his rubber chicken. Oh, and it's costing us a fortune in rubber chickens. He's on his, <laughs> on his about tenth rubber chicken, and it has to be a special one. We have to get these from Germany, yeah. and they're ten pounds oh, wow. each. <laughs> that is so, a very discerning dog. Yeah, but the, the point is, I haven't trained him to do it. So it's if the mood takes him. So when we get out there tonight, it could be a very amusing two minutes or (laughs) the most embarrassing two minutes of my life because if the mood doesn't take him, he won't do it. (laughs) But either way, it's going to be on YouTube, isn't it? That's (laughs) it, yeah. But he's not not trained. I mean, the whole point is that he is a special dog. He does it. It's a unique talent, absolutely totally Mm. unique, because I've never known another dog use a tool for recreational purposes. Yeah. And he does it, yeah. Yeah. And and he's also quite unusual because he's a dandy Dinmont, isn't he? Yes, and the the exciting thing is there are four finalists for this fun event, the biggest fun event there. Two of those finalists are dandy Dinmonts. That's fantastic. That's going to really give you some some prominence. Well, it is, because I think if you you want to do uh, obedience or doggy dancing, get yourself a collie. If you want to have fun, a dandy Dinmont. And that's the message we're sending over. These are great for the other dandy Dinmont. Um, she does uh, plays football, and you want to see her go. So I don't care who wins, so long as we get a Dandy Dinmont one too. Well, neither of the Dandy Dinmonts did win in the end, but they both had a ball in the main arena and delighted the crowd. It was a very talented Shiba Inu who won in the end, and you can see photos and video on the Dogcast Radio site. Of course, there is a serious side to Crufts, with many important messages being highlighted, and Carolyn Monteith was there talking about her new puppy plan. I think everybody's worked out now that we need to be breeding dogs that are fit for function. Yeah. And everybody's got really on board with the health testing and know that dogs have to be health tested before you breed from them and all of those sort of things. But I think what we sometimes forget is that the function for the majority of dogs in this country is going to be as a pet dog. Yeah. Um, And... Lots of trainers and behaviourists for a while have been thinking that maybe what we're not doing is putting as much effort into making sure they're fit for function as a pet dog as they maybe are at being fit and healthy as a working dog. And an awful lot of that comes in the first 16 weeks of life and the socialisation that you do in that time. Because, I mean, 
all animals are neophobic, which all it means is they're scared of new stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's the instinct that stops rabbits bouncing up to lions and going, hello, lion, <laughs> and getting eaten, which yeah. wouldn't ensure survival. Um, so it's a handy thing in some way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But for a newly born mm. animal to be neophobic would be counterproductive because everything's new. Yeah. So they'd be in such a state of stress. So you have this really, really short window with, with a young animal where they'll accept everything that they see as being part of life. And then that window closes, and after that, natural neophobia kicks in, and anything that they've not seen in that time, they're scared of. Yeah. And that's why socialisation is really important in these first few weeks. And that's why if you don't get socialisation in those first few weeks, you never get that time back again. Yeah. Because neophobia's kicked in. All their instincts are saying, it's new, I should be scared of it. Um, and that's why you get things like aggressions, defensive aggressions, it's where you get noise phobias, it's where you get separation anxieties, it's where you get reactive behaviour, and whether we like it or not, the biggest killer of dogs under two years old is euthanasia from welfare, uh, from behaviour problems. Yeah. And that is, that's the reality, and so that's sort of, we sort of thought, right, this is the one area that we're failing dogs, we're failing dogs in that socialisation thing. And there's loads of people out there doing it fantastically well, but what we wanted to do was put together a scheme where We could give people just absolutely key points how to socialise a puppy. So talk to the Kennel Club because they're the people who are involved with the breeders and also talk to Dogs Trust. I'm a Dogs Trust fanatic, Mm. the greatest of the charities, I think. And both have got on board together and said, right, absolutely, this is what we need. So we put together a plan. It's called the Puppy Plan. Um, And the breeder starts and does the puppy plan from birth to eight weeks. And in that time, we're saying to them, right, we want you to follow tasks that you do every single week and we want you to take photographs because that's the proof if you like that the socialization has been done and also everybody loves seeing photographs of their puppies yeah and so they do it from week zero to week eight and then the new owner comes over and then takes on from week eight to week 16 yeah because i would say that i mean a lot of people sort of say oh i'm not going to bother doing any training till whatever but actually as you say in those early days you can do so much with them even as you say with the breeder it's it's vital isn't it oh absolutely because it's in those early weeks that they're learning who their social groups are, so who they should be friendly to and who's friendly and who's nice. And that's where you can make sure that they are social to children and don't chase the cat and don't mind being left alone. And, And even little things like don't mind slippy floors or you know I mean a number of times you'll see somebody for the first time take their six month old puppy to training classes in the village yeah. hall and they hit a slippy floor and go oh yeah. well, 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 I can't yeah. move on there <laughs> so it's, it's the time when you can just introduce them to all these things when everything is just they just accept them and go oh yeah that's yeah. how it is and that's you know and so so many behaviour problems can be solved by good socialisation so it's just making it a formal scheme um, and at the moment it's a pilot it's gone mm. out to all the assured breeders for their comments and yeah. also loads of trainers and behaviourists are all looking at it and, uh, but it will get tra- it will get rolled out later as a much more bigger yeah. scheme so yeah. it's world domination that's what we want <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, socialisation <laughs> sorry that's the word isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a slip, yes, never mind. Damn. Um, yes, <laughs> you let the cat out. Um, but, I mean, that is, that is brilliant because, you know, whether your dog, whether you're going to do agility or obedience or, you know, or they're just, in inverted commas, going to be a pet dog, the main thing surely should be that they, are, they can function in the real world and, and live with other dogs, people, cats, whatever. I mean, I think we're asking more from our dogs than we ever have before. You know, we expect them to not round up the children, not chase the cat, go out in town centres, come to the pub, then be left alone and we don't want to take them places. And and we expect so much from dogs, but we don't necessarily give them all the skills right in those those weeks when they can accept it um, to make sure that that is... But they are family dogs. Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, somebody met my dog um, a couple of weeks ago and he's got some quite nice behaviours now. He was doing twist and spin and various things, and just and he's very well balanced. And he went, this guy went, oh, If I have a dog, I want him to be just like that. And you think they don't come out of a box like that, you know? You know, one well balanced, one balanced, yeah, well balanced, well trained dog. It didn't happen, doesn't oh, you? No. you you, that, you have to make them. You've got to put all that work in in the first place. Yeah. I've had people coming up to me and saying, oh, I want one like you or Digby. What, yeah. you know, where can I get one? Oh, yeah. you, 
that you, you have to make them. You yeah. Have, you, know, you have to turn them into the the very best doggy characters that they can yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Some people say, well, my dog's turned out all right, and he didn't have all that socialisation. And you say, yeah, well, he's turned out all right, but think how fantastic he yeah. could have been if he had had all that. You know, yeah. you're just you're just taking all that potential and just making this great doggy yeah. character. Yeah. And that's what we hope from the puppy club. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, yes, we want people to do your breeders and and. Mm-hmm. Um, new owners to do that from the word go but if I'm just thinking some people listening to this will have a dog that's old enough. personally I have a border collie that's sort of just <laughs> over one and although he'd met a lot of border collies up yeah. to six months he didn't meet other dogs so we are now working on socialisation you know so just for people in, in that boat which is me yeah. um, it's late and it's going to take a long time but yeah. is it too late? It's not too late I mean you always those early weeks is when it is yeah. easier and it's when it's the most accepting something like I think it's something like 89% of brain connections are made in the first yeah. 16 weeks but you've still got that 11% left so yes you're playing catch up um, yes it's not ideal but there's no point in just saying oh well I'm not going to bother because no. he's missed all those early, early days. you yeah. just have to take it a little bit slower yeah. um, you have to make sure that it's all incredibly positive because puppies have better bounce back. Yeah. You know, something scary happened, the puppy will just go, oh, well, there we yeah. go. let's get on with it. Yeah. Um, whereas if you've got an older dog who hasn't been socialised, they're more likely to go, oh, my yes. world's falling apart. <laughs> yes. So you just have to take it a lot slower. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you can still pick up the puppy plan, look at all the things in it and go, OK, yeah. I'll work through those, but I'll just but do it a little bit more yeah. gently and Excellent. a little bit more sensitivity. Um, but, uh, but, yes, so the puppy plan. I thought that sounded a very good scheme, and you can find out more about socialisation at thepuppyplan.com. I can't tell you how thrilled I was to meet Leslie Nicholl, who plays cook Mrs Patmore in one of my favourite television shows, Downton Abbey. Leslie was at Crufts, helping promote the work of those amazing medical detection dogs. They are stunning, and the more I learn about it, the more gobsmacking it is, really. And what's very touching is when you hear people's personal stories and how it changes their lives completely. And their families, too. I've just been talking to Karen's mum, you know. Karen has Addison's disease, and Coco has totally turned her life around. But a mum, can you imagine having a daughter that was sick a lot? How distressing would that be? And she's just seeing her daughter kind of blossoming, and and that's that's very touching. They do change. There was a little boy, I remember. That I, I think it was Noah, I can't remember then. Right. And he got, went suddenly into such um, dramatic low sugar level that it really was life threatening. And yeah. for his mum and dad to know that dog was there yeah, in place yeah. giving warning was amazing. I know, I know. Absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, they, they do. It's, it's well worth supporting because they really do change lives. Yeah, um, and. And the, and the sad thing is there seems to be uh, waiting lists, you know, and that, that's awful because people actually obviously know about this and, well, not everybody does, but the people no. that do, and they have to wait, and that's wrong. Yeah. So yes. more money needed. Yes, yes, please. Very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And um, you have dogs of your own. I do. Yeah, what I do. do you have? I'm just watching all these amazingly trained animals and I'm feeling yes. a bit sick because <laughs> uh, I have a, a hooligan Tibetan terrorist yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's four years old and... Um, and he's called Bertie, and he's very, very sweet and quite funny, actually. Yeah. He's a comedy dog, so he makes us laugh a lot. And uh, we rescued a little miniature poodle from Many Tears Rescue in Wales. Yeah. Mm. Um, Freddie had spent a year, the first year of his life, in a... Well, uh, there was a lady who hoarded animals. Mm. So she had 200 in her backyard. And they didn't... I don't know what they ate, but the breath, the breath on him was enough to clear a room when I got oh. him. Um, and he wasn't house-trained, and he'd never clearly had any real human contact and he's very scared he's very scared in the world but now he's a very happy healthy little chap at home he's still the only dog i know that pulls to go home (laughs) so um you know that's a bit of work to be done yeah yeah but you've you've come a long way it must be very rewarding to know it's lovely and and actually they they are very uh strict about making sure a dog like that would go and live with another dog because yeah. because my Bertie has taught Fred how to play you know yeah. he didn't know about playing he didn't have any toys yeah. now he's a complete you know um, ball freak and, and that's all he does shakes his teddy in his ball and oh. but that he's learned that from from Bertie so, so a lot of it's sort of caught up really yeah 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 now I have to say yeah that 
you, you look barely recognisable from the cook. I'm loving you Denver. already. <laughs> <laughs> but you are so glamorous. So, like, you know, it, I mean, it, this must be very different here with dogs everywhere from, from filming Downton Abbey. Yes, it's very different. It's very different. Though we do have token one dog. Yes, on the Downton Labrador. Abbey. We do. Yeah. But I don't get to meet him much because he's in the oh, boshy bit and yes. I'm in the kitchen. Yes, you're downstairs, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have to cook for the dog as well? I mean, this is one of the questions. Good question, <laughs> that. Um, I think the dog nicks things probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah, as good yeah. good Labradors do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you know, is there a series coming up soon that you'll be? We, I've for? been in the kitchen all week. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, we're doing one episodes one and two of the third series at yeah. the moment, and that will carry on till August, Brilliant. and then it will start again in September. And we're also doing another Christmas excellent, um, excellent. episode, so we'll be on your screens on Christmas Day. Brilliant. Yeah, and. Um, we hope, you know, as long as people like it, it yeah. will have a little life beyond, but yeah. not flogged to death. No, no, no. Well, I love it. I love do it. you? I, yeah, I do. I can't oh, get enough of it. Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's very nice to be in something that makes people that happy. It really is, yeah. you know. No, it's smashing. There's, oh. there's, it's probably a misplace, but there is a, a romanticism about that era. Yes. You know, I mean, obviously, downstairs, yeah. they did have a hard life. Yeah, but they did. But they were they, lucky. They were the, the yeah. lucky ones, actually. They did work hard, but... Um, in their world, they were kind of up there, slightly, you know, you know, they, they were regarded as doing very well. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a proper. I mean, to be in a house like that would be mean you were very good at your job. Yes. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of pride around that. I'm not pretending it was an easy life because I'm no, sure it wasn't. No. But uh, but when you look at what the alternatives were, the jobs mm. weren't you know, oh, no. you know, that great. No, it was very very difficult. Mm. So, what are you making of profit so far? Well, to be honest, I've only just arrived. <laughs> I have been here once before. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just a bit. Look, I mean, there's lying at our feet. I, yes. We have a medical detection bundle of. Fur. Yeah. He's just, he's just alerted apparently to, to. Do you mean here? This first. What here in this? This is now one of our friends from Medical Detection Dogs, is yes. it not? <laughs> Tell me who you are first. I'm Hilary Cornwell and yeah. I'm a puppy socialiser and I have with me Chess who is 11 months old and an Afon pincher yeah. and he's just done his very first alert to a gentleman on the stand who's diabetic. Wow. You are Jess. Did he know he was in that situation, the man with the diabetes? No. no. Chess came up and sat on Brian's foot and said to him, I don't think you're very well. <laughs> and when Brian tested his blood, his sugar was very low. Wow. Wow. Does That's... he want one? Does he want one now? <laughs> well, yes, he's on the waiting list. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there is quite a long waiting list. How long? It is at least three years. For diabetics specifically? Um, no, for almost any detection dog. The, the problem is sourcing the dogs and we're very lucky these dogs have been given to us by breeders we've had some wonderful dogs from breeders um, and then of course it's a long socialisation and training and then you've got, they've got to learn yeah, the final yeah. part of the job which is detecting and how long would that take then? then well, I would hope that he will be going out to work when he's about 14 months old and he's how old now? 11 so some lucky person is going to Absolutely. get it. Does it break your heart a bit when they go? It does, but I know what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know that they're actually going to be saving lives every day. Yes. Yeah. So Not you have just to. Not a convenience. No, life that's saver. right. That's right. Well, you've got a queue building up now of people who want to meet you. Leslie, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Ever so much. Cheers. Thanks. I love the way Leslie just took over the interviewing for me there. However, I was so happy to meet her. I let it pass. Another lady I was very interested to meet was canine game designer Nina Otterson, who was enjoying crufts. I think it's amazing. It's so much people, so yes. much people, and lots of uh, stands with a lot of things. Yeah, and uh, lots of walking. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, lots of walk. I love to do that. I love to meet a dog owner directly. That yeah. is the most fun of all this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that actually quite useful to you to get the feedback from the people that use your, your game? Oh, yeah, that yeah. is the most important of this to get all, both bad and good. To see what people think, what I maybe need to change, and maybe what I have to think about. So that is the great thing about this. Yeah. And because of that, I love to, to, to be here, because 
that they are a customer and that is important for me when I develop new products. Yeah, yeah. So how did you start designing games for dogs? Oh, it's a long time ago, 20 years ago, when I gave birth to my two daughters. I get two children in one and a half years yeah. and I have my two dogs. So I feel a little bad for them because I couldn't be in, my, in the wood as I was uh, used to. Yeah. So I begin to think how I could uh, uh, activate them inside to get with my children. Yeah. So I began to do things for my dogs, and then other people say, oh, I want one, I will have one. So that was the start. Wow, yeah. incredible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you, now you have a huge range of, of oh, yeah. activities and games for dogs. So wh- why are they good for our dogs? The dog have to use the brain. Because I always say, a dog has four legs and one brain. All five need exercise. Yeah. You will have a behavioural dog if you exercise all five. Yeah, yeah. And actually, when you get them to use their brain, it tires them out oh, just yeah. as well as any walk does, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. If you walk with a dog one hour uh, one day, two hours next day, you need to exercise uh, walking three, t- three hours next uh, week. Yeah. But if you use the brain for a dog 50 minutes each day, you will have a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell us about one of your games or, yeah. and, and sort of what, what's involved for the dog. Uh, yes, uh, all, all my games is uh, the dog have to look for treats. And it's different way, it's different solution. Some, some uh, games are easy. I have level one, level two and level three. Because yeah. all dogs are, are like humans. Some are very clever and some are less clever. Yeah. yeah. So it's a game for all dogs. And it's very necessary for them to work as a dog can do. Yeah. You ha- I always look into how dog how they walk, how they feel, how they their the, the, the movements and everything like that. Yeah. So, so they have also, to, 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 for example, lifting blocks, uh, sliding bricks, uh, moving bricks in a different way yeah. to find treat pieces. And that is brain work, different solutions. Yeah, yeah. And what dogs do you have now? I have Bouvier de Flanders. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah big. And yeah, yes. the big one, yes. Yeah. I have that for 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you know them well. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. And are the games suitable for any breed of dog? Oh, yeah, and, and any breed of dog, from small chihuahua to big grand danois. The only important is that they have to like what you hide in the games. This is the yeah. most important. So nice, something nice and tasty and smell. Yeah, tasty. And some want to have the dog food, and some want to have maybe some hot dog. But it's to have to find a way what the dog likes. Nina-Otterson.com is the website to visit to find out more about getting your dog's brain working. Or you can visit the Company of Animals website, run by the inimitable Dr. Roger Mugford, who is very much in favour of keeping dogs occupied. Anything that gets dogs brain working is good and of course the worst enemy for a dog is boredom being left alone because they're social animals and that's what's so important about the Nina games Um, and she keeps on coming up with new inventive designs that stretch the dog in in different ways and in bigger ways Um, that's where it should be but you know there's so many other interactive games here at this um, fantastic show that's that's crafts and um, of course there's simply the process of bringing a dog to a dog show is a, day it's a lot out. of stimulation, isn't it? A lot of stimulation, yeah. and they've got to be um, well behaved, under control. You know, I've heard the odd woof and um, that's a bang wallop. Um, I'm amazed they keep letting you fight. in every year. <laughs> <laughs> well behaved and under control. <laughs> never, never. No, I'm the, I'm the world's the dog world's anarchist because we've got to look at things from their perspective, and someone's got yeah. to do that, and that's my job, and it's a privilege to do that. Yeah. But. Um, and of course the age-old problem is dogs need control and they have to be controlled because society out there is very intolerant of dogs that yeah. aren't under control and if you're a young boisterous teenager you're allowed to go out and do silly things and a young boisterous dog too yeah. but they're not allowed to be they have to be conforming almost from the moment they're weaned yeah. Yeah. and it's never been so tough for dogs no no we expect a lot of them don't we and, and, and you know that, that so many uh, manage is, is amazing mm, i've been in this yeah. dog business for only 32 years of <laughs> treating dogs with behavioral problems mm. and i'm sorry to report that i think things are getting worse and not better mm. worse in terms of society's attitudes to dogs are becoming more intolerant mm. and and you know halfway through my career the dangerous dogs act came in which is a the ultimate expression of that intolerance mm. but also genuinely dogs are not under better control despite all my work <laughs> all the TV programs that have been about dogs Ooh. Caesar Milan halty head collars reward based training 
I, I think dogs are as or worse behaved now mm. than they were in you know 30 years ago and um, it makes me a bit depressed really we're doing something wrong and I think mm. we need to stand back and look at what we're doing and do doing you, it better do you think people are less prepared to put the time and the work in you know we're a more throwaway society it's not working get rid of it and you know whether it's a marriage a dog whatever get rid of it and, and get another one yes I think that that is very true um, but I also think that society's become a lot less tolerant and to, mm. uh, to repeat myself um, um, but I think that um, I think we do need to be returning to basics mm. and that one of those basics is actually having a fairly established strong relationship over your dog so I'm not pleading in favour of corporal punishment and mm. compulsive dog training but I think you do have to be the leader and you do have to have a certain amount of respect from your dog and mm-hmm. it's that respect which I see lacking in a lot of children yeah. with their parents and their adults and seniors and betters those very words you know sound so old-fashioned and unacceptable but actually kids pupils should ex- uh, respect their mm. teachers yeah. Uh, and their elder relatives and, and all those virtues are disappearing mm. under a tide of libertarian um, easy laissez-faire yeah. and um, I think with the world of dogs we've got to really establish who's the pack leader mm. I don't want to sound like season man I don't think it's necessary to no. go to those sort of physical lengths in fact psychological methods are much more yeah. Yeah. well that's how dogs work isn't it? They, don't, they don't actually run up to one another and attack each other mm-hmm. it'll be all stance and signals mm. and it won't be that, that sort of hard physical hands on or paws on exactly and nothing in life comes for free very, very important rule so simply withdrawing rewards and, and making them work for a reward yeah. is establishing your leadership and you know your importance if you like and yeah. dogs respect that um, I think it's also one of the big problems is that we've created cities and uh, suburban environments which are not good for dogs we mm. don't provide sufficient paths walkways forests mm. and dogs have to have freedom increasing numbers of um, uh, local authorities have introduced leash laws so mm. the dogs have to be on a leash not just most places but every place yeah. it's happening in North, North Somerset like no. not a good life and, no. and you know the, uh, animals um, the Animal Welfare Act very important piece of legislation in 2006 set some sort of guidelines on, on animal needs be they broiler chickens in an mm. in intensive laying operation on a farm to pigs to dogs and in many ways we're creating a world that is wrong for the animal welfare mm. it's legally wrong so yeah. I, want, I want things to get better for dogs um, and if we get things better for dogs they're definitely going to be better for people definitely where can people find out more about you on the internet we have a very people friendly um, website which is www.companyofanimals one word companyofanimals.co.uk and um, we got some really talented people working with me more talented than me <laughs> like a chap called Shiro Patel who's doing great things he was on uh, a couple of weeks ago Britain's Got Talent hmm clicker training chickens my chickens who lay eggs um, yeah. on a good day <laughs> and they were clicking and clucking not, I was saying not clicking, clicking. <laughs> and laying eggs uh, for public entertainment and they're just <laughs> great and of course clicker training is it's brilliant fantastic yeah, absolutely well have you had a good craft yeah um, I was only here two days because I had a funeral to attend earlier but um, two days Saturday Sunday the same friends same people this is a great show. Um, yeah. uh, it is a celebration of dogs. It's more than just showing off pedigree dogs. It it's a celebration of dogs. Many of the people there have nothing to do with pedigree dogs, but they still like coming. Yeah. Trainers, mm. um, people the in the trade, the activities. Yeah. Um, it's an entertainment zone, um, and it deserves um, primetime TV, which it isn't getting. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I, I just long make to I think the Kennel Club do so many of the right things, only occasionally the wrong things. But fortunately, the Kennel Club is mostly run by women now, and it will, own, which means it will probably only get better. <laughs> well, we'll keep you away from it and them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, they wouldn't want me to be a member. <laughs> As Roger says, long may Crufts continue. And although that's all we have time for in this show, our Crufts coverage will continue in the next show, with interviews about heel work to music competitions, the Blue Cross charity, how one woman's dog led her into a new career, and news of the young Kennel Club members having fun at Crufts. But just before we go, we have news of a photo competition launched by Bruce and Ben Fogel called Scratched and Chewed. 
So just what kind of photos are they hoping to get in? Uh, we're looking for anything uh, that shows the intense creativity of our dogs. <laughs> what, what I call bioengineering. My, 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 my dog likes to take the eyes out of any dog toy that I give her. Uh, I've seen toys that have been surgically repaired by their owners after the stuffing's been removed. Anything that, uh, anything that makes you giggle uh, yes. with, what, with what your dog has done. And the aim is that um, we look at, uh, quite seriously, the artistic endeavors of our pets <laughs> and, and see what they get up to with our toys. This all started when um, I looked at my dog's toy box. And uh, my dog is, uh, is very good with her toys. She, she gently chews them. I've got a golden retriever. <laughs> my uh, daughter's two Labradors play tug of war. So they come over, rifle through my dog's toy box, find, uh, let's say, a stuffed squirrel and do a typical dog tug of war. And they're much more creative than my dog. <laughs> They're, but I think that they're all different. I mean, we've got a Labrador, a Bichon and a Border Collie. And yeah. um, the Bichon will play beautifully without damaging anything. But the other two will, will as you say, be creative. Well, if you, if, if you look on the website, on, uh, in the, uh, I think it's under the pet photos section uh, on the left-hand side under Scratch and Chew, you'll see how creative some dogs are. Now, and cats as well. Hmm. Uh, we've, we've got scratched furniture in there, which <laughs> might not be the type of creativity that, uh, that actually wins a competition. Mm. Um, but, it, but it is quite funny yeah, uh, yeah. What, what they get up to. And people have been very creative in what they've actually sent in. <laughs> it's personalised then, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> I, I like this competition, Bruce, because normally we celebrate, you know, clever dogs, good dogs, dogs that can do tricks. But, you know, why shouldn't we celebrate, you know, something that all dogs, well, most dogs get up to and sort of, in inverted commas, you know, the naughty behaviour as well? Well, the, uh, the, this, uh, the Scratch and Chewed competition came out of uh, an American book that a friend of mine picked up at the Museum of Modern Art in New York at mm. MoMA. And it was, in fact, wonderfully photographed pictures of uh, the photographer's friend's dog chew toys. And they were shot brilliantly. But it was, just, it was, just, it was such a mirth-making book that I thought we could do the same thing here. With the, with the bonus that anybody who sends in um, a picture of their bio-engineered dog toy... <laughs> Um, they have to agree that their name gets passed on to Hearing Dogs for Deaf People. Uh, that's a charity that I set up, so I have a personal interest in it. And Dogs Trust, which is the best dog rehoming charity in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun, but it's helping to great causes as well. That's right. It's just bringing in potentially uh, some people who can be told about what these charities do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, where do people need to send the photos to and when will they be judged? Um, simply go into londonvetclinic.co.uk mm-hmm. and there's a news section on the left-hand side that uh, gives the rules and regulations of the scratched and chewed competition. Uh, and then you just push a button and send the pictures to uh, one of my veterinary nurses, Jenny, and Jenny will put the picture on the website. And the competition ends in May. The winner will have uh, their dog or cat, because this is available open to cats as well, mm-hmm. their pet's pictures taken by Nick Stevens, who is the photographer who took all the photographs on uh, the clinic website. He's a great photographer. He uh, lives with loads of Labradors himself, so he understands them very well. Yeah. He sounds like a nice man if he lives with Labradors. He's a very nice man. <laughs> and the competition uh, runs through till the first week in May. Excellent. And then um, the, uh, uh, the judging will be uh, quite arbitrary. The judges will be Nick, the photographer, uh, several vets, and any friends that we bring over while we look at all these silly pictures and decide <laughs> who the winner is. <laughs> Excellent. And while people are on the, the London Vet Clinic website, there's a lot of information there as well, isn't there? Well, there, uh, there, uh, yes, there's a lot of information on the website, um, my publishers uh, for years have claimed that I'm the world's best-selling practicing vet, and my previous uh, veterinary clinic website was six pages, so I thought it was about time to, uh, to put a lot more information in there. So there are probably about 800 pages uh, of advice on nutrition, health, uh, training of dogs and cats. There's just a, a shop uh, 
on on the site. People tell me that they're very very happy that um, there is a a fully vetted website. And by that I mean that <laughs> all the information that's there isn't simply written by me. Anything that I publish has to be uh, looked at and double checked by my peers. And I usually use the faculty at Cambridge University's uh, vet school. So it's all been double-checked, and there is wonderful information uh, available on various websites, but there is some spurious information on uh, a large number of websites as well. Mm. And what you can be guaranteed on this one is that the, uh, the medical information and the nutritional information and the training information uh, has all been double-checked and is quite valid, as up-to-date as you can get. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bruce, thanks ever so much. I know you've had a really busy morning helping animals at your surgery, so we'll it's let been, you get it's been it's been successful. The reason that I was I was late getting in touch with you is we had a touch and go, and I'm happy to say that she's going to go. She's going to be absolutely fine. So, oh, my apologies for uh, for not being able to get back in touch with you when I should have. No problem at all, and I'm glad there was a happy outcome. Good. So if your dog has bioengineered his toys, take a photo of the evidence and send it off to Bruce's competition. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. When does a dog go moo? When it's learning a new language.